You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwan. And so I want to I kind of move into, for uh, however long the Lord leads, into this area, and I've called it All He Began. And let's start here in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a transcription, not only a historical, but a spiritual record that that we can incline our ear to, that we can set our eyes upon and have the Holy Spirit illuminate to us through his revelation, Father, the things that our Lord Jesus Christ both did and said. Father, we'll be sure to give you all the praise, honor, and glory as we look at the everlasting word for truth in our life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So you ever wondered when you read Acts 1, who is this Theopolis guy? You know, who is this Theopolis? Well, it's very interesting. This is actually a a Greek word. It's a two-part word. The first part of it is theo where we get the word God, Theo. And the second part of it, this Theophilus, is Philemon, where we get the word uh, for love or friendship love. And so Luke is actually writing the book of Acts, and he's saying to Theophilus or Theophilus, the friend of God. So the book of Acts is actually dedicated to the friends of God. Well, that would be anybody who has received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You become a friend. Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. And uh, Luke said, hey, it's important that I communicate with you, the friends of God, so that you might know all that Jesus began to do and to say. So he wasn't just you know, writing this to a, a specific group of believers. He didn't just write this to the, to the church at Gilbert, you know, or the, the, the church uh, in Rome, or the church in Philippi. You know, he wrote this to the body of Christ, those who have received Christ as Savior and have been redeemed by his precious call. It's interesting also that in Luke chapter 1, in verse 3, if you want to go look, but we will probably get there at some point. In Luke chapter 1, verse 3, Paul, or Luke also uses this very same greeting. He says, most excellent Theophilus, most excellent friends of God. And um, so he goes on to, to, to say that he has accounted or recorded this, this book of Luke. He says this former account. He's talking about the book of Luke that he wrote. He has accounted this former book. He's done it so that those who are friends with God would have a record. I'm excited that that he wanted us to have a history, that he wanted us to have a record. And if you think about this, Luke was never uh, called an apostle by Jesus by, by the record that we have, but he was there. He was a physician. He made a record. He was obviously well-educated as a physician, 
And so he was very good at documenting. And so he went on to also to write the book that we call Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And the cool thing about the Acts of the Apostles, it's never stopped being written. The Acts of the Apostles are being written today. Because the word apostle means sent one. So it's the acts of those who Jesus sent. Well, who is it that Jesus sent? Well, we could go over to Mark chapter 16, which we're not going to do this morning. And we could read there where he said, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. You became a sent one. He's expecting that we, as the body of Christ, as ministers of reconciliation, become apostolic in our approach to the world. Amen? Amen. So let's go back and read Acts 1-1 again. The former account I made, O friend of God, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now, we know that it's not all that Jesus said or did. How do we know that? John 21. John 21, verse 25, in the book of John, John the apostle writes, And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Hey, that's what John said too. Amen. Hallelujah. But you know, the, 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 the exciting thing is everything we need to be successful spiritually, physically, financially is contained in the words that you do have, in what was recorded that he began to do and to teach. Everything that we need to be successful at life, to be successful believers at life, is contained inside of your Bible, if you will get it on the inside. Now, it didn't do a whole lot of good for my family when I was young, because all it did is it sat on the coffee table. It got dusted, so it stayed clean, but very rarely, in fact, I don't ever, I don't ever, I don't even ever remember a time that that Bible ever got open, but it was there. But all that he said and did, if we will get it on the inside of us, if we, if we start to understand this manual that he gave us for life, we can become very apostolic in our relationship to this world. We can, we can transform. Because every one of us is called to perform signs and wonders and miracles. Every one of us has been given authority over sickness, death, and disease. Every one of us has been given a hedge of protection against plagues and sickness. Every one of us. If we will just take into ourselves these words which are life and that are health to all of our flesh. I mean, he's talking about your mental state. He's talking about your physical state. He's talking about your relational state. Not only with people in this world, your family, your friends, your your loved ones, the, the people that you meet, but also with Him. Everything we need for life and godliness is in the Word of God. All we've got to do is get it on the inside of us. 
so that that life can operate. Amen? So I think Luke is on to something here. Jesus began both to do and to teach. And he was doing and teaching. And what he was doing, his doing and teaching, did not stop with his crucifixion, his burial, or his resurrection. See, he has not stopped his work. He hasn't stopped his work. The Holy Spirit is here today still working in people's lives. And it's working through you to manifest in other people. To be a testimony in the lives of other people. Like Brother Aaron was sharing about how people are blessed just simply for getting into financial covenant with him. They've hired his company, therefore they receive his blessing. Amen. Amen. I don't even have a pool and I get his blessings. Amen. But that's how covenant's supposed to work. I expect that my customers, my clients, and my congregants, that's you, that you get to operate in the blessing that God has poured upon me. And because we are a mutual covenant, I'm going to walk in the blessing that God has given to you. Amen. See, Jesus, what he did is so much greater many times than what we, than what we talk about, what we think about, what we know. We think it maybe, maybe it just ended, but it hasn't ended. It continues to operate in our lives today. And unfortunately, way too many believers, they just think, well, you know, Jesus did that 2,000 years ago. And so maybe it's outdated. It's not good for today. But it's amazing how many times God says, I am the Lord and I change not. I am not a man that I can lie. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. So today we get to walk in his yesterday. But you know what's so exciting? We also get to walk in his tomorrow because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So all the blessings that, 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 that God has poured out in our past are available for us in our today. But they're also available for us in our tomorrows. Amen? Amen. And he doesn't change. The Bible says there's not even a shadow of turning in him. I mean, you ever been out in the sun, you know, and you make a little move and you see how your shadow turns? Now with God. And he does, his shadow doesn't even turn. He's the same. He's the same. He's the same. Amen? And so it's important that we continue to, to understand what this work is that he did. Go over with me to 1 Peter 2.2. Peter says this, As newborn babes desire... The milk of the word, the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. You know, when, when, a, when a little baby gets hold of that bottle, you know, or when he gets hold of mama, he's, he, he's, he holds on, man. He's after that pure milk. It's, it's substance to him. It's life to him. And see, we're supposed to get hold of the word that way. 
We're supposed to just grab hold of the word like a babe grabs hold of the milk. And then we just suck all of the life out of the word that we can get. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, what most of us do is we say, oh, we got a bill we can't afford. Let's go find a scripture that can work in this situation. And let me get hold of that. I mean, that's not what a baby does. A baby doesn't go, well, I think I'm getting hungry. Why don't you just give me a, a little sip? I mean, some of you mamas remember, right? I mean, the baby wants it all. They want to be satisfied. We're supposed to approach the word like that, like it's the pure milk, and that we want to get everything out of it, and we're not satisfied until we do. That's what God wants us to do, too, because he wants us to be accustomed with him. He wants us to to get hold of it. And just like a baby... You know, you may start out with milk, but at some point you're going to graduate to crackers, and then you're going to graduate to whatever else they graduate to. I should have my wife here to help me. Eventually, you get to eat meat. Amen? You get to eat strong stuff. Hebrews 6, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, because we have so desired the milk of the word, and we have grown. Therefore, let us leave these discussions of the elementary principles of Christ. How many times do we get so caught up in the elementary principles of Christ, we divide ourselves? Instead of unifying, finding the things that we can unify on. I mean, if we can... If we can unify on Christ, Him crucified, that there's salvation in His name and and no other name by which man can be saved, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, if we can can centralize on that, you know, we can can debate the other issues. I mean, if if you don't want the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, that's your issue. I mean, if you don't want to follow the principles of God's financial plan for your life, that's your issue. But like Brother Hagin used to say, you got to be as smart as an old cow. you got to eat the hay and then spit out the sticks. You know, you're not going to agree with everybody. Not every preacher is going to get it right in all areas. And you may think a preacher's wrong, but have you ever gone back and really challenged yourself to exhaustively determine whether or not he's got something in the Word that you've missed? I mean, that's years ago, probably 20, 25 years ago, um, there was a minister that was on TBN regularly named, named Rick Godwin, Eagle's Nest Christian Center in Texas. And one of the things that I loved about the man is he says that he wanted to be a pursuer of truth. And when his theology, when his dogma intersected with biblical truth, he had to change. You know, see, there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of ministers, a lot of people out there trying to get God to change. They've determined what what they believe God's Word says, and they're trying to get the Word to agree with them. See, we need to get in agreement with the Word. We need to be in agreement with God. And when our dogma, our theology, our, our way of thinking does not match up the Word, we need to change. And trust me, I've changed a few times in my lifetime. In my, yeah, I see the hands, yeah. You know, because sometimes we come to this reality that, 
that, uh, hey, we're just doing it wrong. Sometimes in your life, it may produce lack. You know, it's very interesting because some, to, to, uh, Bob Harrison always says, you know, if you are looking for why there's lack in your life, sometimes you've got to tra- trace it back and find out where there's slack, where you're, you're missing, where you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing because lack um, in life is generally from something not being done in accordance with God's principles. You know, and, and you continuing to do things the way you're doing them and having them not work is literally insanity. Doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So we got to go back and find God's solution to the problem. God's solution. I mean, if we go back and track it there, we'll find it. I, I get so, so excited sometimes when I hear... Uh, you know, motivational speakers like John Maxwell and, and Zig Ziglar when he was around, and, and some of these guys teach. Because in, in, in the early days, Norville Hayes and stuff, it's really interesting on the, the principles and, and the Edwin Lewis Coles, the maximized man, and all these things. And you, and you look at these principles, and you're like, oh, that's a great principle. Okay, so I want to follow it back and see where it came from. You know, you generally can find most of the principles that people are, are teaching in Proverbs. They've just put a new facade on it. They've just put a new spin on it. They've color-coded it so that they can remarket it, brand it, and sell it. So you'll pay $14.99 or $19.99 at, at Barnes & Noble for their newest version of what you can get for free in the book of Proverbs. Amen? Yeah. But we need to leave the elementary principles of Christ and stop the division, the fighting between all of us. Get on the same page and get in unity. And if we don't agree, well, let's agree to go back and research what it is that we believe. Our firm foundation. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrines of baptism, laying on of hands, of resurrections of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. And he's saying here, hey, look, if we've got extra time, you know, we're really busy trying to win the world for Christ. And if we have extra time, hey, we'll go back and redebate those things. But the word's pretty clear on these things. We shouldn't have to be debating how you get saved. And I don't know, Pat, if it was you on Thursday night or somebody else that, that read that, that the Pope signed a declaration that there are more than one way to God. I'm thinking, what Catholic Bible is he reading? I mean, I grew up Catholic. And I do know that the Catholic Bible has the same words in it. It may not have the Maccabees and some of the other things in it, but it's got the same words. It's got the same chapters. It has the same verses. It was just old King James when I was a kid. I mean, theeth and thoueth deep. I don't know where he's getting that from. My Bible says that, that there is one way to God, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God except through him. So see, we've got some things that, 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 that we can debate. We, we shouldn't be debating salvation. I mean, that's a pretty simple principle. You were a sinner. Christ died for your sins. And God has made a free gift for all those who will come and receive 
Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Paul said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. There are not multiple ways. But we should be leaving these kind of things behind because there's a lot greater things to be doing. So I want to look at some of the signs and the wonders because really that should be, that should be what defines the church today is the signs and the wonders and these various miracles. Go with me to the second chapter of John. I want to read verses 1 through 11. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. In verse 4, Jesus said, Well, Mom, what do you want me to do about it? And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. But his mother said to the servants, Whatever Jesus says to you, do it. Hey, that's good advice. Whatever Jesus says to you, do it. And you want to know what Jesus said to you? Go read the red. Like one old preacher used to say, read the red and pray for the power. If you want to know what Jesus is saying to you, read what he said. Now there were there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw out some now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the beginning sets out good wine. And when the guests have all gotten drunk, have all well drunk, then the inferior, you have to keep the good wine until, and you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifest his glory, and his disciples believed in him. See, prior to this, his disciples followed him. Prior to this point, they were not fully persuaded. You know, to this point, they were like, well, hey, this guy is preaching the message that we have been taught in synagogue all these years. Is this the time that God is going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And so they weren't fully persuaded. They had a lot of ifs and, and questions. And, 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 but it says now his disciples believed in him. See, have you had a fully persuaded moment in your life? See, sometimes we come to Christ out of desperation because we're in a situation and we need a manifestation. And so we come to Christ hoping, hoping that He can deliver us from our troubles and our trials and our problems. But see, at some point, and it may not be at the point that you say, Jesus, come into my heart. I make you Lord of my life. But at some point, you must become fully persuaded. At some point, you must become, you must come to a point where you will no longer be deterred. Because you know that you know that you know. 
And see, the disciples came to that. They saw water going to the pots, but they saw wine being drunk by, by the people of the wedding. And they knew that this was him. This was he. You know, that's why I tell people, I said, you, you can never come up with enough theological positions to convince me that God is not in the healing business today. I've seen too many people come out of wheelchairs. I've seen too many people throw crutches down. I've seen uh, deaf ears open. I've seen people who were diagnosed with, with glaucoma go back and get reports that their eyes are clear. I've, heard, I've had people who have told me that, that they can't hear out of an ear, but they have to go in for this. T- and I've had, a, I've had people come and tell me that the doctors have diagnosed me with scoliosis. And I've had them come back and tell me that, that the doctors have proclaimed that I don't have it anymore. You cannot convince me that God is not in the healing business. Why? Because I'm fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded. God raised me up from a pet. You don't. The doctors told me I would never walk normally again. That's what they said. But you know what? I knew the healer. I was fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able and willing and ready to do. See, when you become fully persuaded, there's nothing that anybody can say or tell you that can keep you from laying hold of that which is promised. And that's why it's so important for us to get hold of what it is that Jesus began to do, to do because that moment that is no longer just a story, but now it's your experience. At that time where it's no matter just a, a, a fable, but it becomes your life. You become fully persuaded and you can do now You can become, you can testify. Remember, you can become a witness to the goodness of God. You know, I I was just thinking of some of the events. I remember we were were at a church, this is back 1985, and there was a couple in the church, and she would pray over her pots of soup and they would, they would feed three, four times more people than you could ever have done in the natural. God multiplied. I mean, we, my wife and I had a time. We, we were literally in a, in a rider truck. It was a single, but it was a rider, the yellow ones, in a rider truck. And the gas was going down, and we only had so much money, and we had to make a certain stop. And there's no way that rider truck could have made the miles. And we prayed and we got to our destination with the same level of fuel in that, on that meter as it was when we prayed. What has God persuaded you with in your life? What infallible proof has he set before you so that you, you know, it's not, he doesn't do these things just for accident. He does them so that they can be declared to the world, so that the world may know that there is a God in the United States of America, that there is a God in Israel, that there is a God in all of the nations. I mean, God is at work. Think of what he's doing in our church is in Ukraine. 58 churches in Ukraine that are all growing in the midst of a war. Slavic's church 
had 2,000 people on Sunday. They don't have room for them. They had to set up speakers outside so people could hear the message. Every Sunday, people are getting saved, and they're feeding hundreds of people, and now they have food caravans coming into the church because the world heard of the goodness that God is pouring out upon their ministry, and people are getting saved. There's a God in Ukraine, and his exploits he continues to do. He continues to show himself for who he is. He is El Shaddai. He is the God of more than enough. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory be to God. I done used up my time. Yeah, it's because of you. you. You preach 30 seconds too long, brother. <laughs> I just... Hallelujah. God is so good. Can anybody say amen? I mean, hallelujah. God is so good to us. Just gets me excited about him. Well, praise the Lord. We'll pick up... What? Oh, it was Pastor Thor. <laughs> amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, we'll pick this up next Sunday. I, I just love being so excited about what God's doing. The freedom of being a believer. You know, I don't have to worry about whether or not God's going to like or not like what I do. If I mess up, I'm going to go and ask for forgiveness, and he's going to hug me, and he's going to kick me in the rear side and go, go get going again. Amen? I mean, we serve a good God. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at ValorCC.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.